Fawcett with Carl Reader, helping you to control your time, your income, and your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fawcett. It's my absolute pleasure to share with you my random thoughts and inspiration that come up um, in my strange mind day after day, week after week. Now, as usual, the format for the show is very unstructured, very informal, and I just always look to share a key nugget with you guys that I've come across along the way, that I've thought about, that I've pondered, and something that I feel would be of use to you. Uh, If you're running a business, it will be of use to your business. If you're a manager or an employee, heck, anybody I would hope could gain something from the sessions that I share. Now, before I go into the subject today, and believe you me, this is probably the most controversial episode that I've done. And I'm going to repeat that it is absolutely controversial. There's a couple of truth bombs there. Not everybody's going to agree with it. Um, but I do hope that those who listen take it in and absorb the arguments on um, on either side, really. But before I do that, I've got a couple of bits of news to share with you. As most of you will know, my book, Boss It, is now available on Audible. So if you are an Audible subscriber, please log on, download it. I would truly appreciate it. I've had feedback that... The audiobook, actually, whilst it is a narration of the book, it's not a discussion of the book, it does convey different emphasis from the book. So you might find that there are bits that you learn from the audiobook that you haven't necessarily learned from the book and vice versa. So, of course, I'm going to strongly recommend that you do both of them. But, hey, another bit of amazing news that I want to share. I've been approached um, to run my own show on radio. Um, the I can't disclose too much about this, but at the moment it's looking like it will be in a couple of months' time. Um, it is pre-contract at the moment, so don't hold me to it. However, things are looking like they're going in the right direction. Now, what that means for the future of a podcast, I don't know. I love talking. I love sharing my views. So hopefully I'll be able to run both side by side. It might mean that we have an improvement in the podcast. It might mean that the podcast becomes the show. I don't know yet, but I wanted to share with you that amazing news. And hopefully you'll be there on the first show and we'll start tuning in. Anyway, to get to the um, the subject of conversation, I, I wanted to talk around remote working and this nirvana that we've all found ourselves in, that we um, believe we've got this you know, utopia almost of being able to work from home, having a commute of less than two minutes, being able to wear our PJs to work, being able to wear packed lunch without being embarrassed by anybody, being able to knock off early. Um, it sounded so great, didn't it? But look, I'm a general believer that actually it's probably unsustainable, but more important, it's unfair. And I appreciate that that's not a popular view. So please do allow me to share my perspective on this. And I hope I can present an alternative viewpoint to much of the noise out there. You see, what I'm observing is that there are a number of um, particularly smaller business owners and um, particularly managers commenting on LinkedIn that remote working is fantastic. They can never see themselves going back to -to face-to-face. Why would you ever move away from Zoom meetings? Their life has transformed. And that's okay. But my concern is this. I, I genuinely believe that the office or indeed any physical workspace is a key function in our society. 
And I was triggered to have this conversation with you guys after reading about the um, quote from Morgan Stanley. Now, one of the seniors at Morgan Stanley, I don't know if it was on their executive team or um, management team, so I, I can't tell you a job title, let alone a name. However, they were claiming that it is entirely unsuitable for somebody working in Colorado to be earning a New York salary for a New York company. And on the face of that, I was actually disgusted. You know, my gut, my gut reaction was I was disgusted because I'm a big believer of value and I'm a big believer that it doesn't matter where someone is or what hours they put in. It's about the value that they put out. But I explored my thinking on this a little bit further and I actually came to the same conclusion as Morgan Stanley. And the reason for it, and I guess the premise for this entire show is this, the office serves so much more purpose than just a desk and a seat for you to operate from. Your working roles serve so much more purpose than data entry and working in a silo. I would just ask that you all think back, I'm particularly for office workers, but in fact, whether you are a salesperson and you travel for meetings, whether you work in a factory, just go back to your own early days. Have a think about your learning um, and we'll start with work-based learning. So many of you will know that I fell into accountancy, um, but through rather unconventional means. So I had, to, I had to learn on the job, as many professionals do. And most of my learning wasn't through textbooks. It wasn't through qualifications. It wasn't through home study or colleges. Actually, most of my learning came from direct training and indirect training. Now, I believe that there's a very strong argument that direct training, i.e., face-to-face -face training, showing somebody how to do the job that they are supposed to do, can take place remotely. We know that e-learning is um, up to a standard now where you can take it in. You lose maybe some of the questioning ability there. However, I think that the efficiencies more than make up for it. But the indirect learning is absolutely critical. And I believe that that's the first aspect where the office is essential where physical workspaces are essential because no training is perfect. No direct training certainly is perfect. And I found that I learned so much more by osmosis, by sitting there and listening to what people were saying, earwigging into conversations, hearing um, not just how to do it, but how to deal with it, how to deal with the people, how to deal with customers, how to deal with staff, how to deal with situations how to deal with the unexpected, you know, the power cuts and so on, how to deal with the weather events, how to deal with world events that were going on outside but didn't impact the business necessarily. Are we really that selfish as a generation to deprive the next generation of that? Are we really going to save ourselves 10 quid on a train an hour a day to deprive the next generation of that indirect learning on the job. But that's not all. Secondly, there's an indirect learning from a personal perspective as well. And I can certainly relate to this myself more outside of the office than in the office, but it relates to in-premises learning. So it could be face-to-face -face with a customer at their location. It could be um, on a factory floor. It could be um, in an office. But look, I've not pre-prepared any notes for this. So please excuse me if uh, this list sounds a bit ad hoc. But I've probably learned more about the simple things in life, about 
financial management, about politics, about um, you know who are the police more likely to nick on a night out, who are um, who are the right people to associate with, who are the wrong people to associate with. I've learned more about love and marriage and divorce and all of this stuff in the workplace than I have certainly within my formal education. Are we as a generation really that selfish that we will save 10 quid and leave the next generation to be working behind a computer screen, not meeting a single individual in the workplace and not have most conversations? Now, look, I know that you can have Zoom meetings. I know that you can have chats on Teams or Slack or whatever your collaboration tool of choice is. I get that. But there's an underlying difference here. The learning by osmosis that takes place in a physical workplace or in a physical setting actually is not intentional at all. And it's not requested. But this stuff just simply doesn't happen across collaboration tools. It just simply doesn't happen online. There's not the rapport. There's not the human connection. There's not the culture for it to take place. There's not the warmth. There's not the trust. So how do the next generation learn? From a work perspective, how do they learn the stuff that they should do but is not covered by training? The how we do it rather than how to do it. How do they learn that? Because they're not going to ask for questions on um, Slack or Teams because they'll be embarrassed of being seen not to know. How are they going to learn for their personal development as well? Look, I, I come from a small place of hypocrisy here in that I'm rarely in the office, but actually I do spend most of my non-COVID days meeting people face to face, chewing the fat, speaking to them, learning about them. And much of my personal learning at work you know, personal things about learning about self-development, learning about sales skills, learning about self-improvement, learning about goal setting, all of this stuff. My, look, my eyes were opened to people like Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy through meeting businesses at their premises. That wouldn't have happened had I had a functional meeting behind a video screen. So let's go back to the Morgan Stanley point. And I'm going to address a few other points around this afterwards. But let's go back to the Morgan Stanley point. You can't have a worker in Colorado earning a New York salary for a New York company. Let me expand on that a little bit more. You can't have a worker in Colorado providing the full value that they can to a New York company, training New York trainees who have moved to New York for opportunity. Let that settle with you a little bit more. Now, I've not prepared that. I'm sure there's a way of refining that. But the value that team members give within a business is so, so much more than the functional outputs that they deliver. Again, how can we as a generation be so selfish to set up the next generation for failure, to save a tenner on our commute or an hour? Look, I get that there's other issues around this, and I have perhaps only looked at a few issues in isolation. There's the environmental issues. Undoubtedly, the environment would have been a happier place during lockdown. People weren't going out in cars. Uh, there was less petrol being burned. There was um, less emissions. Offices weren't running. Look, I get that completely. And I don't believe that we necessarily achieve environmental benefit 
for the sacrifice of our societal benefit. Instead, we need to be looking at continual improvements. We need to be looking at electric vehicles. We need to be looking at energy efficient heating and lighting. We need to be looking at actually how can we make our public transport fit for purpose? How can we make it so that we can tick the environmental boxes, but also tick our societal boxes? And I want to leave just another thought with you, because any job that can be done truly remotely working from home can be done anywhere in the world. And that opens up a whole new sphere of questions that we need to ask ourselves as a society. What do we value more, protectionism or globalization? Now, I'm certainly not going to answer that one on this podcast. um, But if there is a leveling of the world, us in the developed world have to face up to the very brutal reality that there will be a flattening and there will be an equalization. Is that necessarily aligned to the goals that those who want to save an hour's commute and um, 10 quid on their train fares? Is that what they're really trying to achieve? Um, yeah, that, that's something that people need to think about. And it's not something that I've given enough thought to as to how exactly that will pan out. But what does that then mean for our next generation? What does that next mean for our next workforce? What does it mean about the roles of the future? How do they look? What are they? How do we do them? Do we look to embark on a um, protectionist mission of protecting uh, UK roles and US roles and French roles and German roles? Um, do we do we fully understand what the political ramifications of that would be? Do we fully understand the direction of travel in public sentiment that would take place with that? Do we want to be passing on a globalized view um, to our customers? You know, do we as customers feel entirely satisfied when we speak to a remote workforce that doesn't have um, details of our account or anything else? You know, when we speak to our banks and so on, is that high levels of customer service or do we actually prefer the local person picking up the phone within two phone calls? And um, we've seen that certain banks have actually won out on that delivery of customer service. Um, do we want a globalised workforce where we can tap into some of the fantastic talent that we don't have in the UK? There's a whole host of questions here. But really, I want to go back to the key thing, learning. Indirect learning on the job, indirect learning personally. Do we really want to deprive our next generation? Are we really that selfish? But we want to save 10 quid in commute so we can't pass it on and pay it forwards. I'd just like you to think about that before you plan for world domination via automation. Guys, I apologize for this being a controversial episode. I know that some people will support me. Some people won't support me. It's not deliberately provocative. However, I think it's a message that needs to be shared. It is a underserved message. And as you know, it's coming from a good place. I'm a board member of Young Enterprise. I actively believe that we should be laying the path for our next generation to do better things than we ever could. And I hope that you join me on that mission. And my belief, certainly at this stage, is that the physical workplace helps to facilitate that. So guys, thank you so much. And I truly do look forward to speaking to you with a less controversial episode very soon. Bossit is available globally at all good bookstores, physical and online. Check out this best-selling book online at calm.to slash book.